and and I believe God is uh, God is pleased with us praising Him. You read those Psalms and you read them Psalms and God uh, constantly said we're to be praising God, shouldn't we? And the preacher's right uh, that you're living in the quietest world you're going to live in. Whether you go to heaven or hell, you're, you're still quieter in either place than you'll ever be. And I'd rather be where there's praise in God instead of where there's gnashing at teeth, wouldn't you? Yes, sir. And this is good. And I appreciate the Daughters of Calvary coming to be here tonight with us. And good to see each and every one of you here tonight. Brother Whalen, good to see you. And last night, Brother Jacob, I know we had a couple of preachers uh, visiting with us here in the service. And I'm going to try to be a blessing to you tonight and try to help you. Now, last night I preached on basically reaching people, <clears throat> reaching sinners. Basically last night is what I preached. is getting after it, wasn't it? The king's business requires haste. Tonight I'm going to preach something that you may not need this tonight. You may not. But I promise you, someday you're going to need what I'm going to preach. And and this is one of those sermons, I guess they, they put them on CD, preacher, I guess you can get CDs or whatever around here some way. You can get the recorded services. You know, I'm sort of out of touch with technology. I'm sort of still back in the cassette tape. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. When they called me from the radio station and said, we're going to go to all CDs on the radio stations, that man, I'm about panicked because I thought, what in the world will I do? Because I don't know how to tape on a CD. I don't know how to do that. Well, now we tape on one CD and they take it some way and electrically send it to 40 stations off of one CD. Now that blows my mind, but but I just do the preaching and let them do the sending, and I just I just do the preaching and I can look into the mic and preach, and that's about it. But anyhow, uh, I'm glad to be with you and thank you for coming. And it's good to see so many of our friends here tonight from from here at Calvary. And I was thinking, looking tonight when your choir was singing, of people, I said, hey, they were there when I started coming. To, to Calvary and there's a lot of the people here that are still here and that's a good test a good test a good testimony for you those of you that were here back there in the early days when I started coming here and I look around I still see you that's a blessing amen that's a blessing so you just stick in there and keep going it ain't any different anywhere it's not going to what I'm trying to say uh, you're going to have problems you gonna have you got to fight battles any any time. So you just dig your heels in where you at, pray, yes, sir. stay in your Bible, and weather the storms, and keep moving. Yes, sir. But you stay you stay in your church. I'm dealing with people today. I've dealt with people today with problems. Hours dealing with people today with problems. Now listen to me. And really, many of them I could have said today. Your problems comes because you left the church. And when you leave the church, you left what Jesus died for. And you left the place of strength. See, you may think you can be a Christian as a lone ranger and you don't need a pastor and you don't need a, you don't need a church and you don't need... But let me tell you something. God fixed this thing, Brother Pope, where you need fellowship of people. You, you need to see other believers. And that's the reason this thing with COVID did such a number on churches because people, one thing it done, it broke, it broke up the fellowship. And, and some people just never made it. They, they, they had good intentions. They had good intentions. And they thought, no, we'll go back when it's over. A lot of them, they lost so much ground that a lot of them never made it back. Now I'm talking about spiritually. I'm not talking about physically. You may have got sick and almost died with it. We had uh, two or three people that did most of them had other bad health issues that went along with it that took them out. But I'm saying that, brother, no matter what, you better stay, you better stay in your church. Amen. Stay plugged in and stay in this thing and, and, and you'll make it. You'll weather it. 
may not be easy. Now, I'm going to talk to you a little bit tonight about how to make it through the worst crisis of your life. Now, let me just say this tonight. Every person in this room, you're going to face trials. You're going to face fire. You're going to, you're going to face trials. But the Bible said there's the fiery trial. There's that trial that when I start talking about trials, immediately that one comes to your mind. I can think of several because I'm getting older. And through the years, I can think about several things that I've faced through the years that would fall into that category of, of the fiery trial. And it'd be the, it'd be the thing that, uh, that you face that you said, I hope I never have to go through that. And it'll be the thing that you say, I hope nobody else ever has to face that. But they will. And the reason for that being is, is because there's no new thing under the sun and that what I go through, you'll have to someday or what you go through, I'll have to someday or your family will or somebody. You ever, you ever thought about that uh, you bought a car and you said, well, you know what, I, 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 you ever thought about you bought a car and you thought, well, yeah, I got the only one like it. And then you, you ain't on the road a week and you've seen four of them <laughs> just like the one you had. You thought you had the only one there was. And then you start finding out they're everywhere. You say, well, there's another one. And there's another one. That's the way trials are. You may think you got the only, you're the only one going through it. Well, let me tell you something. You may not know it tonight. But there's people sitting on the same row with you or sitting on the same section where you're sitting tonight with a broken, broken heartedness. Now, tonight, you may be to where that you, uh, things are going good for you. And thank God when it is, hey, when it's going good and things are going smooth, praise the Lord, because it won't be long till you'll see the clouds roll in. Yeah. Uh, me and my wife a few days ago was talking about the weather. I said, she said, they're, they're calling for storms and rains this evening. I said, look at the sky. I said, there's no, there's not a cloud in the sky. I don't think it's going to happen. That evening before dark, the clouds had rolled in and the rain was coming. You see what I'm talking about? That's the way it is. Now, I'm going to show you how to make it through the hardest time that you'll ever face in your life. You say, can you make it? There's nothing that God brings you to he can't bring you through. Amen. Nothing. I don't care what it is. If God brings you to the thing, you can get through the thing. You see, by the help of God. Now, I want you to look. It's an unusual passage of scripture to preach on trial. But I want you to look at Luke 23. Luke 23 and verse 33. Good to see a, a, a one or two of our people here tonight. Good to see uh, Brother Charles Cox, my first cousin. Good to see him and his wife, Terry. Terry's our school principal and has been for many years in our Christian school. And a lot of you kids here tonight, and even some of you adults, she was a principal when you went through our school. And she's still there helping us. And I hope she stays till I'm gone or the rapture takes place because she's a, she is a blessing to our school Amen. and I appreciate everything she's done. I appreciate her and Charles being here tonight. Look at uh, uh, Luke. Did I say Luke 23? Yeah. Luke 23. Look at verse 33. Now everybody here knows this passage tonight. Luke 23 verse 33. And when they were come to the place that, which is called Calvary there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding and the rulers also with them derided him saying he saved others. Let him save himself if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him coming to him and offering <clears throat> him vinegar and saying <clears throat> if thou be the king of the Jews save thyself and a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew this is the king of the Jews and one of the malefactors which hanged railed on him saying if thou be the Christ save thyself and us but the other answering rebuked him saying dost not thou fear God seeing thou in the same condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. Amen. 
And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, uh, verily I say unto thee, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour and there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. And when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God saying, certainly this was a righteous man. Let's pray. And our heavenly father, help me as I preach tonight and help me to say what needs to be said And uh, Lord, somebody here tonight may be going through the toughest time they've ever faced in their life. And uh, if not, they will. And Lord, uh, help them tonight to remember what's said tonight so that when it comes, Lord, they can use what's been said tonight. And may you empower me, uh, dear God, to preach with your power in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus withstood and passed all the trials and fires he ever went through. And by the way, they were many. But this was the toughest of all right here. Now, this is what he came for. He came for this. Uh, Calvary was not a uh uh-oh. Calvary was not an accident. Calvary was on purpose. Uh, Calvary was God the Father's will for the Son of God to come and die for my sins and yours. However, Christ... Uh, would he suffered and hurt as much on Calvary as you would have if you'd have been hanging there. He felt every nail they drove in his hands. He felt uh, the nails they drove in his feet. He felt the crown of thorns uh, that they pressed on his lovely brow. He felt the cat of nine tails that ripped open his back. And Isaiah 53 is the story of Christ and his crucifixion in the Old Testament. But chapter 52, verse 14 says, his visage was so marred more than any man. In other words, Jesus Christ, if you would have passed by the day he died on the cross of Calvary, he did not even look like a man hanging there. The Bible said his visage was so marred more than any man. It would have made you sick. And these pictures that you see, and I'm not being mean, I'm just telling you the way it is. These pictures you see of Jesus hanging on the cross with a trickle or two of blood coming from his palms and from his feet and a little bit down from his head. That's nothing, my friend. Uh, Do you know that if you understand about the scourging that he took in Pilate's Hall and the scourging he took before he went to the cross, most people didn't live through that. They were trained... These men were trained to beat a man within an inch of his life so that he could get to the cross. Are you saying? And, and it said that many times, many times from the scourging of a Roman whip that these pieces of metal that was on the ends of the whip would wrap around a man's body and then that soldier knowed how to jerk it. And they said many times that a man's intestines were pulled out. And you could see his organs uh, you could visibly see a man's organs. So you, you, we don't have no idea. You have no idea what Jesus Christ looked like or went through on Calvary. But here we see him and above everything, above all the nails, the thorns, the beating from the cat of nine tails, besides all of that, the, the weight of the world and every demon of hell was in his face screaming, don't do this. Don't do this. They're not worth it. They're not worth it. Get a, get, stop. Stop. Go down. Show them you're the son of God. And the angels of God stood by, standing by. Uh, I love that old song that said he could have called 10,000 angels. And he could. They were waiting. They won't stand by in case Jesus said, uh, just kill the whole human race and forget it all. But Jesus Christ made it through the worst crisis that he'd ever faced in his life was the cross. Now it was the will of the Father and it was what Jesus wanted to do. He wanted to please the Father, but it was still the hardest thing that he'd ever done in his life. Even before he got to the cross, 
the burden that he was under in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus Christ prayed. And when he prayed there, that blood come through the pores of his skin. And the Bible said he sweated as it were great drops of blood. Amen. I'm telling you, we don't understand when we talk about the crucifixion, we have no idea about what things was really like that he faced. Now there's going to come a time in your life and there'll come a time in my life. And I think there's been a time in my life that you'll face the hardest thing you've ever faced in your life. I don't know what that would be for you. I don't know. I don't know. It may be the death of your mate. It may be the death of a child. It may be uh, that you find out you've got incurable disease in your body, um, ALS or cancer or some. It, it, it may be a sudden phone call, a car wreck and the death of a loved one. It may be uh, that financially everything in your life reversed and you lost basically everything you had and you're about to lose your house, about to lose your business, about to lose your uh, vehicles and everything you got. I, I don't know what it's going to be. But whenever it comes, I'm going to show you how you can face it. Now, you know what it says? In 1 Peter 2.21, it said that Jesus Christ suffered for us. Listen to this. He suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Now, here it is. He suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Follow his steps where? Well, follow his steps anywhere and you're doing good. But when you suffer, he said Jesus Christ suffered, leaving us an example. So in his worst suffering, he left me an example that in my worst suffering, I too can make it. Well, now how are you going to do it? I want to show you what you do step by step when the hardest, it may be that somebody does something to you. It might be, and by the way, they did to him. Do you know that the whole time Christ is on the cross, people are making fun and standing there? I personally don't think he had a stitch of clothes on, preacher. I don't think they had him covered up. I think he was naked, hanging there. They did everything they could to humiliate him. And so uh, they were jeering at him and laughing at him and mocking at him and spitting at him and cussing at him. And they were saying, hey, hey, Jesus, if you're the king of Jews and you're the son of God, come down. And we'll believe you. Come on down. And they did that for, for the whole time. They laughed. They took his robe and parted it and, and, and gambled over it. I mean, you imagine everything they done to him while he's on the cross. So there's not going to be anything you're going to face that'll be nowhere near this. So he's saying to you, as he suffered, he gave you an example that you could follow his steps. Now I'm going to give you something tonight that you can do. I'm going to give you several points here that you can do that Jesus Christ, what he done on the cross, how you make it through the crisis. I'm talking about the worst crisis. I'm not talking about a hangnail. I'm not talking about some little something that's not anything and you're going to make it uh, uh, anyhow. I'm talking about something that almost got you. Something that just about you don't know if you're going to make it. Now, I've been with some people when it happened. I've been, I've been with some people when those things happen. Sure have. And brother, listen, it's one thing to say, yeah, that, that's bad. But when that phone rings and you get that phone call or when that doctor walks out and says, I'd like to take you over in this room and talk to you a little bit. And, and it, just, it just knocks you down. And you say, man, I never, how in the world? Are, are you listening to me tonight? Listen right here. Let me give you what you do. Jesus left an example, right? So here we are. What do you do when the hardest crisis comes in your life? Number one, here it is. Forgive those who cause the crisis. Forgive those who cause the hurt. In verse 34, Jesus said this. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Can I say this right here? Do you know that was absolutely accurate? Do you know that preacher, they, they was crucifying him, but they did not even know who he really was. Now, he didn't, they didn't believe him. 
They really didn't believe he was the prince of life and the son of God and the savior for the world. They didn't believe that. Because later, Simon Peter in a sermon said, you crucified the prince of life and you did it ignorantly. Had you known it, you wouldn't have done that. But you did it. But you know something? Before they could ever even ask for forgiveness, Jesus Christ forgave them. See, if you wait on people to come to you to ask them to forgive, you may die an old bitter person. They may never come. And then second, let me say this, there's people that hurt you that didn't mean to hurt you, that you took it that they did, but they didn't mean to hurt you. You know, when I was a kid, there was a man, Charles Cox knows the man I'm talking about right now. I was a little boy standing in my dad's field over there in, in, in our yard and this man come by to see my dad and he weighed way, uh, he weighed over 300 pounds and he worked in a filling station. And of course he wore, back in those days, old big pair of heavy work boots and I was barefooted. As a little kid, uh, I was running through the yard there barefooted and this man come see my daddy and I was standing there beside my dad and this man moved his foot and when he moved his foot over, he stepped on my foot. Now this is back when kids didn't say nothing in the presence of adults. We didn't say nothing. You, a kid didn't run up and start talking when two adults were standing there. You just, that's just something you didn't do. Now I know some of you think, well, that right there, what kind of place was that? It was the kind of place when kids knew their, their place. And they didn't try to make, make look like they're sharper than adults. And so when that man stepped on my foot, I was afraid to say anything. I didn't say nothing. And he it, and it, and it like broke it. Well, then thank God, just in a little bit, he moved it. He moved his boot. When he did, I took off running for the house and went in the house not bawling and crying. And my mother said, what's wrong? I said, Dean Miller stepped on my foot and broke it. I believe he broke my foot. Well, she said, he done what? I said, he stepped on my foot. Do you know that? That I never did tell him. He never knew it. He didn't intend to do it. He didn't know he'd stand on my foot. He hurt me, did, did not know it. Now, let me tell you something. There's people that'll hurt you in this life that did not mean to hurt you. There's people, listen, I'm sure, Brother, Brother Steve, I, I've hurt people before preaching, and I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to hurt them. That wasn't in my teaching. Trying to help you. Trying to help you. Uh, and, and listen, sometimes instead of getting mad, you might ought to listen to what's being said that it would help you. But Jesus here forgave people that was crucifying him even before he died. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Well, you said, yeah, but that was Jesus Christ and I'm not Jesus Christ. I hear that all the time. Well, let's just bring it on down then to the next level. What about Stephen, the deacon, who was not God? But they stoned him. They got mad at him for telling them the truth. Is that right? Acts chapter six and seven. And they stoned Stephen to death after he preached a sermon to them, trying to get them to turn to Christ. And they stoned him to death. What did he do? He looks up while he's dying. Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. You know what? The same prayer, same thing. Father, forgive them. You know who was standing there? Saul of Tarshish holding the coats of those that done it. Brother Steve, I cannot help but believe two chapters later, he's in the family of God. I believe that God worked on that man when he looked at that boy who was dying with blood streaming down his face and said, there's gotta be something to what he's got. There's gotta be something to that. And I believe that he couldn't sleep and it bothered him and, I, and, and that he had trouble with it. Two days later, he meets God in the middle of the road, don't he? But you know something? Stephen set a good example. You say, why? Because he forgave those that hurt him even though, even though that uh, he had every right. He said, look, I preach the truth to them and they kill me for it. But Stephen didn't die that way. There's a lot of Christians sitting in our churches today bitter because somebody hurt you that you won't forgive. Listen to this. Folks, we need to let go of stuff. Let go of it. 
Do you know Joseph's brothers sold him as a slave? They sold him as a slave down into Egypt, put him in a pit, took him away from his dad. His dad thought he was dead, sold him to uh, uh, the Midianites. They took him down to, the, to uh, Potiphar and traded him to him. And then Potiphar's wife lied on him. So he's been sold as a slave. Now he's been, he's been uh, lied on by a woman. And now he's in jail or prison for something he didn't do. You'd think that man be so bitter. Oh, he ought to be so bitter. Yeah, but he wasn't. That ain't even all of it. He interpreted the dream for the butler and the baker, didn't he? And he told the butler, you're going back to work and told the baker, they're going to hang you in three days from now. They're going to hang you, buddy. And they did. They hung the baker and the butler said this. He was so happy. He said, I won't, I won't forget you when this is over. But he did. He forgot him and left him in there for several years. And one day the king had a dream. Remember that? And the king said, boy, I wish there was somebody could do something with this dream. My men's all struck out. And the butler said this, I remember my faults this day. You know, it'd be a good thing for you to remember your faults. And just say, you know, I can't wind up bitter. I don't have to forgive somebody. Brother, life's too short to go around holding grudges. And even, and, and by the way, there's, there's several people you need to learn to forgive. Number one, you need to forgive others who sin against you. And you need to forgive God when you think God didn't deserve to do what he let happen. And then you need to forgive yourself. Others, God and, your, and yourself. And, and just, just don't hold on to that. And I'm simply saying, forgive those who caused the crisis. Next thing, when you're going through the worst crisis in your life, fulfill your role to your family. Listen to this right here. Do you know there's sometimes you have to play hurt? Whether you want to keep on going or not. Let me tell you, I hear all this stuff and people say, well, preacher, I, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I can't do anything. can't even get up in the morning. I can't do this. Look right here. There's people that's counting on you. You got to get up and go do what you're supposed to do. There's been a lot of times, buddy. I didn't think I could hardly get up and do what I was supposed to do. But I said, look, there's people who are counting on me. Let me tell you something, brother. There's people counting on you. And, 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 and let me tell you, in John chapter 19, in John 19, I want to show you something here in fulfilling your role to your family. Let me show you what Jesus did in the worst crisis of his life. Look at verse 26. Look at, look at John 19 and look at verse 26. When Jesus therefore saw his mother, and he's hanging on the cross, and the disciple standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. And he saith to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her into his own home. You know what Jesus did? He kept taking care of his family when he was in a crisis. Hey, mama, let me tell you something. You got kids, you still got a big mama. I don't care if you got a crisis going on or not. Hey, daddy, let me tell you something. You got a crisis going on, you got a family dependent on you. Hey, there's been times, Brother Steve, I went to the pulpit on Sunday morning and Sunday night and nobody ever know what's going on. And I've preached with my heart so heavy I didn't think I could. But I had a bunch of people that was depending on me. And here's what I'm saying. Your family needs you to go ahead and do what you're supposed to do. Uh, let me give you an example. Job probably went through the hardest crisis outside of the Lord than anybody. We know he did, didn't he? The whole books wrote about him. 42 chapters. Do you know that Job's wife, in my opinion, and I'm not being critical of her, but Job's wife blew it in that she had one of the greatest opportunities in the world to support her husband. And I realized she was hurting too. She'd lost 10 children just like he did. She went bankrupt just like he did. She lost all the, the money. To, they, she lost everything too. But look here. Here's what she did. She said to, to her husband, curse God and die. Now, what she should have done was this. 
She should have walked up though she was bleeding too and though she was hurting too and said, sweetheart, I don't know how we're going to make it. I don't know what we're going to do. But I know this, I still got you and we still got God. And some way, just some way, we're going to trust God and we're going to pray and we're going to make it through this and I'm going to be right here with you when you do. But she said to him, curse God and die. Now, brother, Job was stripped of everything. He couldn't look at his wife and say, honey, can you help me here? She said, no, I ain't helping you. I ain't going back to church. I'm done with it. I'm done with all of it. Let me tell you something, ma'am. When your husband's going through it, you may be the one that helps pull him through. And sir, you might be the one that helps pull her through. But let me tell you something. Remember, you are not by yourself in this thing. There's somebody in your family that's counting on you. There's people counting on you. You got to make it. You got to keep on going. And Jesus looked down there. Here he is in his dying hour and he says, now John, here's mama. Now you take care of mama. You take her just like she's your mother. You take her home. Mama, I'm leaving here. You ain't going to have your son here anymore. You go home with John. Jesus fulfilled his role to his family in the worst crisis of his life. He made sure it was taken care of. Amen. Let me say this right here. In the hardest crisis of your life, he submitted to the will of the Father. Do you know in, in, in Luke chapter 22, in Luke chapter 22 and verse number 42, here he is in the garden of, of Gethsemane in verse 41, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and he kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Now let me be clear on something right here. He was not praying for the cross to be removed. He was praying to not die before he got to the cross. Well, Steve, he wasn't praying... I'd like for you to take this cross away that I don't have to go to the cross. But if it's not your will, that ain't what he was praying. He was praying, it was so heavy, blood was running down his face as he's praying in here. The demons and hordes of hell was in his face in the Garden of Gethsemane trying to get him to go no further. But look what he prayed. Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my Will, uh, my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthened him. And by the way, let me tell you, God will send what you need to strengthen you. And he being in agony, prayed more earnestly and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling to the ground. Now, I'm simply saying this. Uh, he prayed not my will, but thy will be done. Do you know sometimes it, it, it may be the will of the Father for you to go through what you're going to go through. And if it is God's will for you to go through something, then God is going to take care of it and bring you through whatever it is you face. You said, yeah, but I'm not that strong. God knows what you are. And he's not going to put one pound on you that you can't carry or, or make with through that. Are you following me on this thing? See, Jesus Christ prayed. He was praying, not my will, but thy will. Don't let me die here in the garden. That just, the, 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 the enemy just laughed and said he couldn't even, he couldn't even, he couldn't make it to no cross. He couldn't take it. Look, he, look where he died. He was just praying, Lord, don't let, Father, don't let me die there. Not my will, but thy will. And you'll just, then the Father then, it was the Father's will for him to make it to Calvary. Thank God, listen, that it was. And by the way, it's not the Father's will to destroy you. God's not out to destroy you. God is out to love you and build you. And sometimes that fiery trial will build you if you'll trust God through it. You see, you can make it. You say, but the, the will of God. All things work together for the uh, all things work together for the good of them that love God, and to those who are the called according to His purpose. Now, 
Verse 29 talks about it conforming us into the image of Christ, into the image of his dear son. And you know what it takes sometimes? It takes a fiery trial to make us like Jesus. Hey, you know what? You say, boy, I just want to be like Jesus. You better, and I do too, but we, you better rethink some of that. Because he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. I really believe this with all my heart. If you met the Lord Jesus Christ, if you met him, I don't necessarily think that he looked sad all the time. I, I know he had, the, he had the joy. But I think there was a certain uh, thing about him because there's never a time there wasn't sorrows on him. There was always sorrows on him. And don't mistake, don't mistake sometimes somebody carrying a load that they ain't right with God. Don't, don't, don't mistake that. There's sometimes, brother, if you knew what somebody was carrying, you might not even know how they even got into the church house. But the main thing is that you do the will of God. Hey, you know what? You said, well, preacher, how could anything be the will of God like that? Remember Joseph? Remember how he got put in the pit? Then he went, to the, uh, went down to Potiphar's house and got lied on. Then he went to prison and all them things that happened to him. But you know what? Remember his brothers when he was reunited with them and he, he forgave them in chapter 45 of Genesis. Remember all of that? And then when they started asking forgiveness and, and, and everything in the 50th chapter and they said, please don't kill us now. Dad's gone. He said, look. He said, you, you meant what you did for me for bad, but God meant it for good as it is this day to save much people alive. And he said this, I've been in the place of God the whole time. He said, I've been in God's will in this whole thing. It's all been God's will. Amen. Folks, let me tell you something. Some battles you fight that you go through that seem like you just don't know if you can make it or not, it's the will of God. Amen. You got to face it. You got to go through it. Let me give you this here. I, I can preach on this half the night, but let me say this right here. In the worst crisis of your life, let me tell you what to do. Never quit praying. You know what? That Jesus prayed all the way through it. All the way through it. In the Garden of Gethsemane, I just showed you, chapter 22, he prayed before he got to the cross, didn't he? On the cross, the whole time he's on the cross, he's talking to the Father. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Then, then he got thirsty. He said, I, I, I thirst. And he's talking to the Father the whole time. He's praying the whole time that he's on the cross. Let me tell you something. The only way you're going to make it through your trials is this. His word and on your knees. That's it. That's what you got to do. If you're going to make it, I'm just telling you right now, you can, you can do everything else, but those two things will bring you through when nothing else won't. Stay on your knees, talk to God, stay on your knees and pray. If you're not going to pray, you say, am I going to make it? I don't know. But I can tell you this. If you pray, yes, you can make it. Yes, you can. Pray for grace. Pray for strength. Pray for wisdom. Pray for everything about it, and you can make it. You say, well, preacher, I'll just be honest with you. And I have people tell me this. The, the trial's so heavy that all I can do is get on my face and just lay there and cry. He understands every word you're saying. He understands. Years ago, uh, Brother Whalen, there was an old song and it said, tears are a language God understands. And you know what the Bible said in Ephesians that he understands our groaning, doesn't he? He knows what you're saying. He knows what you're praying. You say, I can't get it out. That doesn't matter. He still understands it. He hears it. He knows. He said, I know exactly what he's trying to say. I know every word he's trying to tell me. And then when you get in this book right here and God will speak to you, just get in and live in it. Live in it. You'll make it. You know, Brother Roloff, years ago, Lester Roloff, got locked up because he wouldn't take a license from the state of Texas. They put him in jail down there in Texas and Brother Roloff said it like to run him crazy. He said just about run him crazy being in that jail. So they had... Music going there, old loud rap music, rock music going in jail. And 
you know, Brother Roloff, he was one of the holiest men you'd ever meet in your life, and all that, all that playing. And anyhow, I heard him say on a sermon tape that he was preaching, I made it because I lived in that book. I lived in that old book. And I was in, I was in Chattanooga, Tennessee back in the early 80s. Wasn't long after Brother Roloff died, maybe a year after he died. And Roloff Holmes had a table set up in that meeting where I was at. There was a big old table laying there and they had some tapes of Brother Roloff and some different things about Roloff Holmes. And it was an old black Bible laying there that absolutely looked like it had been used by about a hundred people and just, it was just totally wore out. And I was standing there at that table and I was just looking at that Bible and this man said, sir, go ahead and pick it up. And I reached down, picked that old Bible up and it was just marked and, and, and up here on the, on the sides, all the leather was about wore off. It was just, it was wore completely out. And I, and I said, uh, somebody used this one, didn't you? Didn't it? <clears throat> and he said, you know whose Bible you got right there? I said, no, sir. He said, that's the one Brother Roloff had with him when they put him in jail. And I heard Roloff said, the way I made it through that, I would have lost my mind had it not been for the Word of God. You know what Psalm 119 said? I would have perished in mine inflictions. Psalm 119 verse 50, had it not been for thy law. I wouldn't have made it if it hadn't been for the Word of God. Folks, let me tell you something. This old book will bring you through it. I'm telling you. On your knees, don't quit praying and stay in the Word of God when the crisis comes. Then let me say, in your worst crisis, learn to trust God and not man. Now, it's good to trust people and love people, but don't depend on them in the crisis. You better be dependent totally upon God. People will help you. And I thank God for every brother and sister in Christ I got in my church and people. And I know you do. But let me tell you something. You know what Jesus did in, in John chapter number uh, 19 and verse 28 through 30. You know what he did in John chapter number 19? Jesus said in John chapter 19, he said, I thirst. Verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put, uh, uh, and, uh, put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. You know what it is? Jesus said, I thirst. Well, I don't know what, friend, but I'm going to tell you something. I believe that he was so thirsty, his tongue was sticking to the roof of his mouth. We can't even imagine when Jesus said, I thirst, what that was like. But you know what? Some of his... Some of the people down there said, well, let's give him something to drink. You know what it was? He said, I thirst. You couldn't even trust man for a drink of water. Friend, let me tell you something. When your back's against the wall, the one you better trust is the one with the scars. Place your hand in the nail-scarred hand. Sunday morning, one of our dear ladies, Linda Morgan, sang that song, Standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. Let me tell you, friend, when you're going through it, you better put your trust in him. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Better trust him and not man. I had somebody a while back call me on the phone, got some advice, got ready to hang up and said, preacher, I just want you to know something. They said, you're my rock. I said, oh my goodness. I said, I sure to God hope not. They said, what do you mean? I said, I'm not your rock. I said, if you knew it, if you only knew, there's some days I barely make it. I better not be your rock. Brother, you better be leaning on the rock of ages. You better have your feet on the solid rock. The, the true foundation. Amen. You better have your feet planted in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because all other ground is sinking sand. Hey Amen. Oh, let me tell you something. I know what it is to be at a hospital with people's lost 
the dearest to their soul. I've been there and tried to comfort them. I've been there. I've been there when they had deaths and somebody just screaming. I've been there when they was passing out, screaming, hardest, hardest things they'd ever faced in their life. But you know something I remember when old brother Bobby Robertson's wife died. And I thank God for brother Bobby. And I remember calling him. I remember I was sitting there in my living room and I, and I, just, I dreaded to call him because I was close to Brother Bobby. I dreaded to call him because I didn't really know what to say. I mean, man, you're calling a legend. You're calling a giant to try to encourage him. But some, two or three things made me feel good. I called Brother Bobby. I said, Brother Bobby, this is Brother Darrell. And he started crying. He said, Brother Darrell, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? He said, my sweetheart is gone. That's what he said. And he was crying on the other end of the phone. And just in a minute, I heard him clear his voice. I heard him go. <coughs> he cleared up. And he said, but there, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what I've been preaching all these years. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. He said, I'm going to keep my eyes on him. And I'm going to talk to him. And I'm going to get in his book. And he said, some way, brother, there, I'm going to make it. Hey, you think that man been married to the same woman for 60 years plus? You think his heart wasn't just busted into a billion pieces? Sure it was. Hey, you know something? I preached with him in meetings. I preached with him in meetings. Hey, I remember going, Brother Steve, in the room, his motel room there. And he, he, I was standing in the room beside him, and I went into his room for something. And he said, Brother Darrell, and he had her picture. He had her picture. He said, I carry it in my briefcase. And he had it in a frame and had her picture sitting on his nightstand. He said, I tell her good night every night, and that I'll be seeing her for long. And tears welled up in his eyes. He said, it's the hardest thing I've ever faced. That's what he told me. But you know what he did? But bless God, he faced it. What did he do? Exactly what I'm telling you here is what he did. Don't trust man. And then let me say this right here. Pour your life, when you're going through a crisis, pour your life into others. You know what Jesus did? There's two men hanging on each side of him. One of them cussed him and made fun of him and ridiculed him. And the other one said, this man's done nothing amiss. He said, Lord, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. You know what he kept doing? He kept on winning souls. He just kept on winning sinners. You know, the last thing Jesus did on earth before he died, he won somebody to himself. He won somebody to God. Amen. Hey, you know how you make it through the crisis? You know what it'll do? It'll give you a boost like you wouldn't believe. You go out here and you're going through a hard time, but then you give somebody a track and you stop them and start talking to them and let, let them to Christ. Brother, right there will give you assurance God's with me. Amen. Now, I know God's with me because he said he was with me. But I'm just simply saying, keep doing the main thing. Don't, don't stop doing the main thing. My sister was dying with cancer, Lisa. She's been in heaven now for several years. And they gave her six months to live. And I won't tell you all of it, but she lived seven years. And they gave her six months. But every Monday, she'd go to the cancer center every Monday to take chemo. For seven years, she went every Monday. Cancer went to her brain three times. I mean, she had brain surgeries and everything. I mean, the cancer would just eat her up. Every Monday, she'd go to the cancer center with gospel tracts, go inside where she'd get ready to take chemo. She'd look around, see if she'd seen any new ones there. She'd walk around the room and hand them a tract and say, hey, my name's Lisa Lilly. And I just wanted to tell you, I got cancer too, and I'm here getting treatments but I don't know how to face this without the Lord Jesus. I just want you to know he's the best friend I've ever had. Amen. Best friend I've ever had is Jesus. And by the way, friend, he is. 
he is. You know, a real friend like that sticks in there, don't it? You know what? Jesus called Judas friend and couldn't keep him. But he called Peter the devil and couldn't run him off. You know why? Because Peter was real. Ain't that the truth? That's the truth. I'm just simply saying, trust him in the crisis. You're going to go through, but keep doing the main thing. Keep doing the main thing. Keep leading sinners to Christ. Let me finish up by saying this. When you're going through the hardest crisis of your life, can I tell you what to do? Last thing and I'm done. Finish. You know what the last thing Jesus Christ did right before he died? John chapter 19, verse 30. He said, it is finished. The trial's over, praise God. The battle's over. We sing that old song, it is finished. And that's part of the song. It says, it is finished. The battle is over. It is finished. There'll be no more war. You know what he was saying? I just conquered this whole thing. Whatever trial you're going to go through, when Jesus said it's finished, that right there meant, listen, one of these days, all your trials be finished if you trust him. It's all finished in him. You know what you got to do? You got to finish. Finish. Paul said, I finish my course. He finished. You have to finish. You got to finish. You have to just get through it. You got to make it. I don't care what you face. You, you, you got to keep going. Somebody's counting on you. Somebody's depending on you. Somebody's looking to you to finish. Don't get bitter. Forgive people. Learn to forgive people. Forget stuff. Get over stuff. Don't hang on to it. Let go. There's just some things you're going to have to do when you hit that. There's going to be little things like having a flat tire. There's going to be things like your headlight burnout. There's going to be things like a toaster quit working. That ain't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when the telephone rings and they say this is the hospital or this is the police station. I'm talking about when it buckles your knees when they tell you. I've been there. About a year ago, I mean, I was in Colorado preaching. Come out of a restaurant down there in Colorado and look, Brother Steve, my phone, I missed five telephone calls. Two from my dad, two from my brother, and one from my nephew. When I seen that, I said, hey, I guarantee something's wrong. And I got a hold of my nephew, and he said, Brother Darrell, hate to call and tell you this, but your brother's had a massive heart attack, I think. They've airlifted him. To the hospital. If we find out anything, we'll let you know. They've airlifted him. Listen to this. I had my son and another boy I was with. I said, Y'all just take me back to that little place where we're staying and I'm going to pray. And they took me back to a room and I got on my knees and I walked around in there and I prayed and I prayed. And I was praying, and, and, and it seemed like right in the middle of me praying, God said, there's no use for you to pray anymore. He's not going to make it. He's, he's, it's the end of it. He's, he's gone. I hadn't heard from nobody except heaven. But I said, dear Lord, if that's, your, if that's what you wanted, I'm not going to. But hey, who would I be to question God or get mad at God? Folks, that's God's business. You know, we need to let God be God, don't we? Let God run things. Now, I would have rather had him to live if it had been my will. But there again, Luke twenty two forty two, not mine, but thine be done. Are you getting it? I knew before I ever knew. 
when they said, and they called me and said, that's it, he's, he's not going to make it. I already knew it. Friend, there's just some things when the crisis comes, the hardest time you ever had in your life, turn to Luke 23 and look at Jesus and what he did and go through every bit of that and you'll find out how you can make it. You know why? 1 Peter 2.21. He suffered leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. So what do I do when I'm going through the hardest time of my life? Go find out what he did. And then do what he did. Let's bow our heads. You know, one day Jesus Christ died for your sins, neighbor. There may be somebody here tonight that you say, preacher, I don't know what if I were to die right now, I don't even know for sure heaven would be my home. I don't even know that 100% sure. I'm not 100% sure I'd go to heaven if I were to die. Would you slip your hand up right now and say, preacher, I really do not know for positive that if, that if I died right now, heaven would be my home. Will you slip your hand up right now? Would you slip your hand up right now so I could just pray? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not, I'm not going to come to you. But I want to pray for you. I wonder how many people right now would say, Preacher, I'll be honest with you. Been battling some things, been going through some things. Pray for me. Would you slip your hand up right now and say, Yes, I have. God bless you, brother. God bless you. Anybody else? Yeah, you said, boy, preacher, I'm glad somebody else needed that tonight, and I, I, I don't need it. Friend, any minute the tables can turn. Any minute. You might already come down here and say, dear God, when that time comes, help me. Help me. Help me. You might already come tonight and just ask God to help you. Let's stand to our feet. You know, if you need to come tonight, let's just come. And maybe you know somebody that's going through it, fighting for their life. Won't you come pray for them right now? Won't you come right here and get on your knees and say, God, please help them tonight. And Lord, when the day comes that I face that fiery trial, help me. Will you come? Maybe you know somebody in here going through it. You just want to come pray for them. Would you come right now, Christians? Would you come right now and pray? One day this will be a reality to you. Now it's just a sermon. But one day it'll be the real deal. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to give it here to the preacher here in a minute. Let him take it and close it out as he sees fit. But one day it'll be real to you. I hope tonight this helped you. And our Heavenly Father, I pray tonight, Lord, that people could see the picture. That Jesus didn't just save us from our sins, but He saves us in our suffering. In Isaiah 53, He said He was wounded for our transgressions bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And may we, Lord, tonight, God, realize that the Lord Jesus Christ is our example. Not only in salvation to be saved, but in service and, yes, even in suffering. Father, help us tonight. Be with these whose hearts are heavy. I've seen some hands that went up. Please, Lord, tonight be with the dear folk here and help them tonight, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor, I'm going to turn it over to you. I'm sorry I went a little too long. Well, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed just for a moment. And folks in the altars tonight, folks are still coming. Hey, if you need to come this evening, 
You know, I think preacher said it right. Maybe tonight you just need to slip out and just make a commitment and say, Lord, when the hard times do come, I'm, I'm not going to quit. You're not going to lose me. I'm going to stay faithful. Might not hurt to go ahead and commit now. Wonderful, man, wonderful message, helpful. I was just thinking tonight, just what a blessing to be in a service like this and to hear what we've heard tonight. So Lord, I thank you for what you're doing right now. Thank you, Lord, for working in hearts. Thank you, Father, that folks are getting help right now. Ministry's happening. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for meeting with us in such a powerful way tonight, worship and preaching. Lord, I pray that you would accomplish what you want to accomplish tonight. Lord, I pray that we'd leave this place with a newfound commitment and dedication to serve the Lord. Thank you again for all that you're doing, Lord. We love you. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. We've got some folks up here in the altars tonight. And if you're here this evening and you say, preacher, if I died tonight, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Why don't you do this? Why don't you just slip out right now? And we've got somebody down here in the altar. If they see you coming, they'll meet you and greet you. And we'd like to just take a Bible and show you how from the Bible you can know that you know that you're going to heaven when you die. I promise you this, be the greatest decision you've ever made. It's right now. Would you just slip out? We tell our people this all the time. If you'll take the first step, he'll help you with the second step. Would you come?